Science Witch Podcast, where we explore how science and witchcraft intersect, interact, and affirm one another. I'm your host, Angel, and this is our 18th episode. For this episode, I interviewed Seba from the Southern Fried Witch Podcast about being a witch in the Deep South and how podcasting has changed her craft. Before we get to the interview, I wanted to share something in regards to my previous episode on houseplants. I found an article after I published this on how destructive the fast fashion houseplant craze has become on The Telegraph, a news outlet out of the UK. The article goes on to explain how peat moss is destructively mined and nearly none of the people buying these plants realize that they are often sold in this medium. This illustrates the need to use local potting sources or potting mix that is more ethically sourced and sustainably produced. Also, some plants like lucky bamboo and pothos can actually live in water. So if you want to have a plant that doesn't require soil at all, these are a good choice. I will be modifying my buying habits to be more mindful of the impact of the houseplant industry. I will link the article in the show notes, however, it is behind a paywall. Next, I wanted to update folks about the Patreon. I'm working on finishing the sticker that is my next in the Scion of Science series, Voluptuous, Roman Goddess of Pleasure. I won't go into much detail about this deity as most of her known history and some new personal gnosis that I used in my own depiction of her is sourced from the Fat Feminist Witch podcast. And uh, I will make sure to link the specific episode in the show notes. This is one of my favorite episodes, so I actually listened to this episode and was inspired to make this sticker as part of my series to encourage people to learn and possibly develop a devotional practice with lesser known deities that may be more representative of different groups of people. The one thing I did want to emphasize about her is that she is a fat goddess and I try to expand my artistic abilities to portray her with this in mind. The specific details about the imagery used in the sticker are all cited in the episode referenced above. If you would like to receive the sticker and other stickers once a month by myself or a guest artist, be sure to check out our Patreon and join at the $5 level. I'm still hoping for more involvement at the Science Witch Coven level. For the next season, I will be sending out other two offerings mentioned in the previous episodes, as well as sunstones from Oregon that you can use to catch the light rays from the solstice, which is upcoming. These sunstones were ethically mined, and I have charged them in the sun and the full moon. Also, I am still offering tarot readings for members who join at this level, and I hope to even invite them to help me co-create future episodes of the podcast. So if you're interested in this tier, please see the Patreon for more information. Finally, I wanted to announce that the Science Witch Podcast will once again have a co-host. Starting next episode, my best friend and fellow queer witch, Inku, will be joining the podcast as a co-host. We've been friends since sixth grade, and we've been doing live new moon readings over the Wild Witches page on Facebook. So I'm excited to bring him on as a collaborator in this project. Our next episode, and the first one together, is called Big Tree Energy, where we plan to talk about the spiritual and ecological importance of big old trees. 
Also, he will be contributing to the Patreon rewards in upcoming months, so I invite you to check out what awesome new offerings we have planned. Of course, if you can't financially support the podcast, it would be most appreciative if you would like, share, rate, and review on the platform that you are listening to it on. And I'd love to get some feedback and thoughts, or even just your questions, at questions at sciencewitchpodcast.com. Now, a word from our sponsor, Cricket and Iris Botanicals, and then on to my interview. Cricket and Iris Magical Botanicals is a queer-owned and run herbal apothecary focused on sharing the magic of small batch, lovingly crafted plant medicine. Cricket and Iris are actively working to decolonize herbalism and are committed to providing high-quality vegan botanical skincare, herbal remedies, and self-care items without compromising on values. The herbs are all ethically sourced and many are purchased from local farmers in Portland, Oregon. Some are harvested directly from Cricket and Iris's garden. For more information, please visit cricketandiris.com. Zeba O'Kiley is an English professor, writer, and farmer in rural Alabama. All of these roles deeply inform her witchcraft. Her coven, the Ganani tribe of Alabama, is a family heritage group that has convened for over 12 years. Her grandmother was integral in her upraising and therefore has had an impact on her understanding and working of plants and the earth. As an organic, biointensive microfarmer focused on sustainability, Seba continues to reach out to her neighbors in an effort to teach them to grow their own food with minimal impact to their financial resources or the environment. From seed to harvest, she also works to echo her Cherokee roots in an ethical and holistic communion with the earth. Seba's land is integral to her witchcraft, lined with fig, mulberry, and pear trees, her family has become a haven in a section of the country heavily laden with pesticide and herbicide residues. From snakes to chipmunks, lizards to tree frogs, butterflies to native bees, the farm buzzes with life. The old well on the property provides all the water needs for her family, livestock, dogs, and plants. It is indeed a magical place. It is her dream to transform the farm into a teaching garden. As a new grandmother, she hopes to pass down these wonders of reading, writing, and eating, a dinner that grew in a peaceful communion with all that resides in a sacred, natural space. Hello, Seba, the hey, Southern girl. Fried Witch. <laughs> hey, girl, what's up? Welcome to the Science Witch Podcast. I really appreciate you agreeing to be on my podcast, I think, is this your first uh, interview, being interviewed as a podcaster yourself? It absolutely is. And my first uh, interview as a witch ever. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> well, welcome. I feel very um, privileged and honored that you came on my podcast today. So I wanted to talk to you about some various topics and I guess I should give a little bit of context to the listeners. I found your podcast through that which life podcast and being someone who grew up in Mississippi and Louisiana 
and I now live out on the West Coast, I don't really get to hear a lot of Southern accents. I don't get to talk to a lot of Southern people. And so when I found your podcast, this was like, I think in 2019, it was just soothing. It was like a bomb to my soul, like (laughs) to listen to you talk about your life and your experiences and your connection. And you share these great stories and both me and my spouse are big fans of your podcast because we're both from the South. And so I just, I really appreciate that perspective because most of the other podcasters tend to be people that are really public about their witchcraft. Um, Devin Hunter, of course, he uses his, his full name and the, um, that witch life gals, they're, they're pretty open about their witchcraft, but (laughs) I feel like there, you bring an experience and with, with sharing with your podcast that we don't often get to hear. And that's being a witch in the deep South and how this has come to you at a great personal cost. So if I thought we could kind of open by you speaking to that experience and what that in perspective means to share. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an open-ended question and those can be the devil, honey. Um, I like them. (laughs) I think that, you know, I, I, I was, (laughs) reticent to talk about it before, but I think it's important to say that I did end up in a legal wrangle with my unidentified employer Mm -hmm. back in 2014. And that was kind of one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life. Um, I enjoyed very much being a professor. Oh, by the way, I'm also... (laughs) Uh, I have a doctorate in philosophy Hmm. and it was the light of my life teaching uh, in a local university setting. Um, I did lose my job uh, due to my religion. I did take action and, you know, I would love to tell you, but honesty is, I'm sorry, there there will be dogs and chickens in the background. (laughs) Um, it's the best policy and no one can learn from anything that's not honest. I'm I'm not quite over it, Mm. but I am working on it. And it was my first lesson that if you raise your head up a little high, you know, there are folks out there that will play whack-a-mole with you. Mm. And, um, you know, I think the thing is, is that I really love my Christian friends and neighbors. I really do because diversity is sort of like my digs, but not always are they very fond of me, mm. you know? So being Southern and being a witch to me, and then I'll let you kind of guide that question further to me, that is our inheritance. Mm. You know, the deep South has always had an element of magic. I know you know this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, uh, you got to know this. My grandma used to say, don't tell them the truth about us, baby, because then everybody will want to move here. And she's right. I mean, there are some things that are as mystical and romantic as you hear. 
you know, the cicadas and the crickets, mm. honeysuckle. I'm sorry, y'all. That's some true ass shit. And, <laughs> and there's a lot of magical people down here, you yeah. know, with everything from Irish to Caribbean to African roots that echo that magic Cherokee Creek. Mm-hmm. And it's real. However, we've been wholly disinherited. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to stop here. And honey, what else do you want me to talk to? Well, I think your point about the Deep South having this sort of inherent magic to it that if you've never been, you, you haven't been able to go down a bayou at sunset and see the way that the sun sparkles through the Spanish moss and especially when I grew up in close to New Orleans my birthday was around Mardi Gras so I loved Mardi Gras it was literally my favorite time of the year I loved the costumes I loved the parades I loved everything about Mardi Gras and of course leaving that area I haven't really gotten to celebrate it since I moved out west because nobody out here celebrates it but it's it's such a magical place and especially like my husband's family is from New Orleans and grow, grew up in New Orleans and so he was raised in he was raised Catholic but there's so much hoodoo and mm-hmm. New Orleans voodoo that's just steeped in the way that they practice Catholicism in New Orleans. Like mm-hmm. he didn't realize St. Expedite wasn't a real saint. <laughs> <laughs> the lessons we learned. Yeah. Like when, um, you know, we, we moved outside of New Orleans, people were like, well, no, that's not something that the actual Catholic church really honors. And that's totally a folk saint, but people it's, it's so steeped in the culture and the way people are, especially in that particular area, it just has this sense of almost liminal, magical quality that you don't really find anywhere else. And a lot of people know New Orleans to be this extremely magical place and magical city. And, you know, there, you can go on the cemetery tours for Marie Laveau. You can go to the various different witchy shops, some of them owned by people that aren't from New Orleans, but I digress. But there's a lot of magic there that people from all over the world come to experience. And I feel in some ways very grateful to have grown up there, but when you get outside of New Orleans, it becomes a much more conservative place. And my best friend in the world, who is also a uh, professor of sociology at an unnamed university, <laughs> he <laughs> is gay. And he I was one of the first people he came out to in sixth grade, but he had a tremendous amount of oppression and hate crimes and bullying and and people just going out of their way to try to deny him his right to express his authentic self and mm-hmm. it, it took a, a really long time for him to kind of well he he left the south for a good portion to finish his phd and everything but now coming back things have improved a little bit. Would you say that that P- 
people have become a lot more permissive, I guess, is the word. <laughs> I would say that people have become a whole lot more afraid not to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the old guard has changed very much. I do think that we're no longer accepting it and mm-hmm. they're being a little bit more careful. You know, it's a mixed bag. Um, a lot of people have asked me, by the way, why do I stay? Why have I always insisted on staying? Yeah. And I've had so many offers, um, especially as a professor, you know, about 13 years ago, I had offers to move all kinds of places um, as an assistant professor of this or that or the other, actually specialize in goddess mythology. Ooh. And uh, yeah, it's hot. <laughs> and, um, you know, my answer, for lack of a better way to, to put it, just is that somebody has to stay. Mm. Yeah. I, and, 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 you know, no shade to those who, who went off and, and did their calling, but kind of my calling is to stay and try to reclaim. Mm. And um, I think it's worthy work. Yeah. It's just hard, you know, <laughs> go ahead. You speak on your podcast also about how you're very connected to your land. Yes, like You have a very strong connection to your land. And that I think is something that especially those of us from um, European uh, white backgrounds don't really have that connection. The previous interview I did before this one was with a friend that's also a Hopi elder. And he talks about how there's this connection with the land that the Hopi have that translates to these permaculture principles that can be utilized to help humans continue to live in a changing climate. And I have been kind of rootless for a very long time. And so I I haven't been able to have that connection through my witchcraft. I'm starting to get a little bit of it now that I finally found somewhere that I can connect with the trees and the, the land. But before that, was living in apartments and it was it was hard to have that connection but when you you talk about your farm you talk about your chickens you talk about the trees you you have this love you love that land so much and I think that's something beautiful and it's worth the pain and and bullshit of continuing to remain where in in the cultural climate but the land itself is you are connected to it. And just to be sure, do you want me to try to get my dogs to hush up? Oh no. I mean, okay. it's, it, it's a <laughs> podcast. We're going to be real. And I'm a dog rescuer. And right now I want to holler at my dog moonshine. Her name is moonshine. <laughs> she found a squirrel and she's arguing with the squirrel. So if you want me to take a break, I can do that, but otherwise we'll keep going. Okay. All right, I'm back. <laughs> Real life. Real life. <laughs> Real life. And it may happen again. My son is uh, walking dogs close to there. They're the chicken tenders. <laughs> and not in the way you think. They're the ones who protect my chickens. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so they see another dog or another person and they kind of 
you know, have a, have them have a come apart. <laughs> come apart. All right. Where were we, darling? About your lands and how About you connect my- to it. Sure. All right. Now, here's the thing. Let's not stand on pretense. I am not perfect. And I've been a gardener and a farmer for years and years. But, you know, we're always learning. And I have been out there researching and trying harder to make a deeper connection. Mm. And in those studies, I found that permaculture and no-till, well, they're just better for the earth. And that was uh, an inconvenient uh, moment for me. And it meant that I had to think deeper about permaculture. And it's all come roundabout, honey. I'm, I'm Southern. So I went into my head and I did some shadow work on this. And I thought, okay, I see myself as part of my garden, mm. part of my land. And so at the end of the day, I need to stop tilling up things. I need to learn from my lessons. I need to dig in deeper. I need to allow the land to become healthy and whole. And that's part of me too. Mm. So when I stop tilling everything up, you know what I mean? Like throwing away mistakes and throwing up dust. I decided to stand where I was. Now, I see witches as... um, I don't, I think we maybe have the same genus, but I don't think we're all the same species. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everybody has the right to be different. And for me, I'm a very land-based um, permaculture kind of gal. Don't judge anybody else, but this is me. And so I wanted to learn to live where I was, accept yeah. all the old roots, dig the old lessons, address the old viruses that have attacked pack things you know from tomatoes to my heart Mm -hmm. and learn and become stronger to be part of a wheel in a deeper way and so for me this is the most important thing I can do is you know a garden healed me once when I lost a baby Mm. but I'm no longer the tender of the garden I kind of have become part of it Mm. And it's become the thing from which my magic, I would love to say comes from, but it, that's not quite it. It's, it's where it lands. It's where it finds peace. Um, mm. It's just part of the wind of it all, you know, and, and I'm still learning. And I think it's just, it does us a disservice to ever stop. Mm. And so here at 55, I don't know, honey, I've become a plant <laughs> in my own garden. And um, am I answering the question or have I gone off on some kind of tangent? I think so. I mean, Rainy. as far as like, why, why would you not leave at this point? Like uh, why, what keeps you there? Even with uh, all the opportunity mm-hmm. and then and the, what you've suffered for continuing to stay there and dwell there. Okay. All right. Now, I was thinking about this earlier today. <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't leave. Well, the easy answer is I wouldn't learn any lessons mm. about where I started from. But that's a cop out. That's not the whole reason. You know, um, if you take 
a beautiful orange tree from Miami and you try to grow it up in New York, you're gonna have to do a lot of work. You're gonna have to put it in a hot house and you're gonna have to provide it enough sun. And it's kind of out of its element. I think I dug in so deep with my magic to this land that I won't grow properly anywhere anymore. Hmm. And I mean that magically. It's not that I'm not magic everywhere I go. It's just that I'm part of the, the biosphere here, mm-hmm. you know, I've become part of it and um, it would be easy. Mm-hmm. It's not just that. There are so many baby witches here. There are so many witches here and they don't have a home. They don't have a lot of people, you know, <laughs> I would hate to walk. I would hate to walk for the sake of money and a better life when I think of a better life I mean like less risk uh, more advancement but see those things are no longer that important to me anymore Hmm. what's important to me now is growing a better me and a better environment and kind of like I said to you before there someone's got to stay someone has to and I think it's a calling to stay I don't think it's for everyone nor do I think less of people who leave. Um, but for me, I've decided to stay. So I suppose it's a decision. And uh, that's where I lay my hat. I'm going to stand by it and help whoever I can here. Yeah. And, and grow. <laughs> and leave my roots here. <laughs> I, I sometimes think about what if I had stayed in terms of closer to where I grew up? And I think I would be a much very, I would be a much different witch. I think I would have still found my way back to the craft, but I definitely think I would have been more steeped in the traditions of of New Orleans with New Orleans voodoo and hoodoo and the various different practices down there. But I do enjoy living on the West Coast where I can be a lot more open about who I am and I don't fear retribution if anyone was to find out that I am a practicing witch. I mean, granted, um, I'm not out. Like, I don't use my full name here on the podcast. But at the same time, I don't have as much fear in terms of it completely ruining my life if my uh, workplace was to find out. In fact, I'm actually protected according to the, (laughs) with, with the Religious Freedom Act. And out here, it's, people are a lot more permissive of being just a lot more liberal and, and weird and counterculture. It's specifically where I am right now. It's very much West coast kind of culture and always on the pioneering end of individualism and being your authentic self and LGBTQ. So that's sort of my, I, I had to make that 
sacrifice because of course things in terms of not having to work as hard if I had stayed where I'm from in terms of having to all the costs of moving and I still don't have my own land of course I'm still a renter and I I gave that up for the freedom of being able to pursue this part of myself and I had to make trade-offs to do so and it's interesting to kind of see someone and on the other side of it that even though it, it you have had things happen to you because people found out you were a witch and and went out of their way to character assassinate you essentially and a great personal cost and so um I think I was wanting to kind of also maybe talk about something that I don't think a lot of people on the west coast and these places that are more you know liberal in terms of religion and personal expression how they don't have this, per- they don't really understand what it is to ha- have to be in the closet, in the broom closet. So, mm-hmm. and, and compartmentalize yourself like that. So maybe you can speak on your experience with that as well. I sure do want to. And I want to start by saying this, just to reflect on what you just said. One of the reasons I've never answered that question you asked me is because I, I, I fear that it will come off wrong. Mm. And I absolutely believe that some of us need to go forge new frontiers. And some of us might feel called to stay behind and that we're all equal in our task as witches. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm proud of you for that because, and I feel like I can say that as a sister of a seminar. Yeah, definitely. Because you've gone out there and you've said, hey, I'm a Southerner over here doing this podcast and I'm calling back to the South. How's it going, honey? You know, and it's critical to have our voices out there. So that's the first part of that. Hmm. As to the closet, it, I'm not going to pump sunshine up y'all's ass. It, it's hard. Hmm. Um, you know... I'm going to be very uh, careful about what I say now, but I'm part of uh, a group that is sponsored by the state. And Mm -hmm. it's a very uh, um, prestigious group. I'm very proud to be part of it. And I won an award in that group um, underneath my government name. And the award ceremony was held in a church, which I was uncomfortable with. I mean, after all, it's a state-run thing. Mm-hmm. And everyone was asked to bow their heads. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, before uh, our ceremony, I refused. I mean, I could have been cool, but... And it, it, it's these little moments... I read recently about microaggressions mm-hmm. and how the best way to fight back are microassertions. Hmm. You know, we always look at it as 100% or nothing, right? But microassertions. And I just kept my head up. Hmm. And I looked at the person that was delivering my award and their head was up. 
And they looked at me and nodded and I nodded back. And it was just this moment of what does religion have to do with this, you know? And who gets to decide this? And we both knew that this wasn't cool. At the same time, I'm living with these people. Um, and when I say these people, I love, I love half of them, you know? I'm related to some of them. The 92-year-old man at the end of my long driveway, he's a Christian and he's precious and he doesn't know any other way in his life. And if he knew what I was, he probably wouldn't wave at me. <laughs> when I, you know, and he wouldn't take my pickles anymore when I can them. But mm. at some level, I feel like we have to go ahead and accept if we stay here, we have to accept that that is an issue that we work through daily, yeah. whether or not we're willing to out ourselves and show ourselves as exemplary members of the witchcraft community and change their minds or just change their hearts. Hmm. Sometimes I just stay with pickles. Um, it's a struggle. I go to the Pagan Pride Day, um, and that's scary. I've had a student confront me there, and then people pray around me. Oof. Yeah, but this is this is where a lot of civil work has happened mm. in Alabama, and yeah. uh, I'm not willing to walk away. Um, my daughter-in-law is a witch. Mm -hmm. uh, my son was raised in it, and he's uh, Krista Pagan, I believe, right now. And anything's cool with mom, you know, to you, boo. And uh, my grandchild is going to be raised to make her choices. Yeah. So for me, this struggle is worth it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm answering the question. Oh, no, I think you are. Uh, I think there's also a piece to and this is sort of come from my experience that my religion is none of your damn business. <laughs> Girl, <what's up? laughs> and there yeah. was an interesting story that was going around Facebook um, that was reported. This poor girl, it, she was working at Panera Bread, I think in Tennessee. Oh, and yeah. you saw this where she, she told them that she was pagan and they essentially just, instituted this harassment campaign mm -hmm. against her and they Panera Bread refused to actually listen to her case in HR so she's now suing them and you know I'm glad that she's standing up for religious freedoms and rights mm -hmm. but I tell you, I'd have never been put in that situation because if they had asked me what my religion was I'd be like well it's none of your business we're co <laughs> Because that is just how I am and how I've had to be, especially when I was, you know, a teenager and I first came into witchcraft, I wanted to be like wearing my pinnacle out and letting people know I was a witch and writing oh, yeah. ye harm yeah. none do as thou wilt on the bulletin board. Yeah. And I was quickly disabused of that notion that I, it was safe for me to let people know I was a witch. And over time, I just 
kind of got to the point where I became very compartmentalized. So who I am at when I'm at my job is not who I am when I am off the job and I'm being able to practice my witchcraft. And I think that's a safe way for me to live my life. But at the same time, it's also, it, it kind of sucks to have to like bifurcate the pieces of yourself and be like, okay, I, I pretend to be this person when I am on the job, but then this is who I really am. And so I've, I've had struggles with that, with situations, but at the same time, I also very much feel that it's my first amendment right to practice my religion. And it's also none of your business about what I do. You know, and you're bringing up something really important to me because um, I realized a long time ago that I would be willing to suffer the consequences. However, I'm married, I have children and by proxy, they suffer the consequences Right, and they can lose their jobs. And uh, I was telling my best friend today, I'd be happy to walk through downtown, put in that little blank there. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you where. Um, In my little witch hat and full regalia. But I'm making choices for my family. And that, you know, I'm just not the kind of person who can um, selfishly do that. Um, But the other question, not question, Uh, answer to one of your questions was what's it like to be in the south what I do hear a lot is I found out you're a witch Mm. good or are you a bad witch (laughs) all right you know this one right yes and my answer is always "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh yes the answer is yeah girl what's up and they get so confused and what I answer them back is are you a good or a bad Christian because um, I'm sorry humans aren't you know these polarities they just don't fit human beings um I mean yeah I sometimes am a bad witch and by that I mean I don't practice (laughs) and sometimes I'm a great witch and sometimes I'm a medium rich and aren't we all yes but yeah they're still trying to put us in a box after all these centuries. And mm-hmm. um, I'm the witch who comes to your house and puts a blessing on it. Mm. I'm the witch that stands beside you in the grocery store. I'm the witch who babysat your kids. Mm. I'm your witch, Alabama. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I was born here. I'm one of you. And I don't know, at the end of the day, I belong here. Hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How do you think witchcraft, the witchcraft practice in the deep South is different from other parts of the country? You know, (laughs) um, I want you to know the truth. I thought about this question all day. Um, I don't know. I don't fucking know. (laughs) And the reason I don't know is because I haven't practiced witchcraft anywhere else. Mm. And I'm so against dogma. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't believe there's a standard OXYZ, you know? And I I don't know. 
I can tell you that <sighs> our seasons are different, you yeah. know, um, whereas, you know, we do align a lot, you know, me and my coven align a lot, my coven and I, excuse me, uh, with a very Celtic sensibility. We also have our Cherokee side. Yeah. And in that light, we also are geographically bound. So whereas there are certain holidays that honor harvest um, in Ireland, our harvest can be multiple here. You know, we're harvesting now hmm. so much. You know, we're harvesting strawberries. Strawberries. That was, that was what I was going to say. <laughs> I got a gallon in the freezer now. And we, we, we're on a different, you know, place on, in the earth. Yeah. So what I always tell my students is look down at your feet. Where are they? Mm. Right there. So for us, we can't have a rowing tree growing in our yard. It won't grow here for us. So what trees do we revere? You know, what plants do we revere? What time of the year do we call our own? And kind of staying with, in tune with our own nature for the South, gosh, our first harvest was about a week ago. Mm -hmm. And so the only difference I could imagine is that um, and the heat. <laughs> <laughs> and we hate winter um but I guess we also have all these old ghosts echoing around us that are specifically southern and yeah. I'm sure other people have their own so you know what I have to tell you the truth other than having to fight what we fight with conservative evangelical neighbors and the cicadas and the mosquitoes that could carry you away <laughs> I don't know the answer because mm. I've only practiced witchcraft here mm. and it is deep and dark and mysterious and sunny and delightful and explicitly <gasps> Southern. And uh, I just don't know what else the difference would be because I would never speak for someone. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think that's, Ooh. That's beautiful. <laughs> I have practiced witchcraft in other parts of the country. And is it hot? Is it great? Oh, I, I lived in Arizona for seven years. Oh, okay. and that's a very different place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, don't you think that we all kind of echo where we are? Yes. And yeah. yet we all still draw from the same well. Dude. You still have Southern roots. <laughs> oh yeah, I do. I do. My, my, all rest of my family's back down home. Mm -hmm. I get to come to my brother's reception because he got married over COVID, but he waited till after COVID to have his reception. So I get to go back to New Orleans and we're going to do the tourist thing this time. We're going to go to the graveyards. We're going to yeah. do all the different witchy tours. I have a couple of shops like Crescent City Conjure that I definitely got to oh, check out. That's so cool. Yeah, I I definitely still have roots there and I was born there and I I miss it 
I definitely have learned the value of being close to your family in the course of this pandemic, because before this, I could just fly to see my parents. I mean, I have to get the time off from work, but it wasn't a big deal. I would fly somewhere at least like six, seven times a year. I would fly across the country. But after the pandemic, I was completely cut off from them and my family. And it was, I was 3000 miles away. My husband is also 3000 miles away from his family. And for the first time, I really felt the pains of what it meant to be that far away from where I'm from. And I, I sometimes during throughout the pandemic, it wished that I was closer. And luckily, both my parents were able to get vaccinated. And my brother, I think, is getting vaccinated this week. But all I would have. Yeah, well, I, I think it's pretty much open to everyone in the United States now. I don't know how accessible it is to everyone. Here, not a lot of people want to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the devil's work. So um, my entire family is vaccinated. <laughs> but um, I did want to say something about that. You know, I brought up before this really cool no-till permaculture idea. Mm. And I just learned the concept and you're talking about Southern roots. Mm-hmm. And what we found is, what I'm learning is that, again, when you're done with a plant, whatever that growth may be, and you think about living in the South, you cut the plant off, but you leave the roots. Right. And that's all about like building the mycelium and the health promise and the ecology of the soil. And we learn from those things. And I think our childhoods and our past, maybe not you and I definitely me a little but can be painful sometimes but Mm -hmm. to not have that have that composted experience if you'll excuse the the goofiness of that I think it puts it as at a bit of a disadvantage Mm -hmm. and um the plant doesn't have to remain but the roots they have something to teach the soil Mm. Does that make any sense to you? Like, do you know where I'm yeah, coming from? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's rather synchronistic you bring that up because my graduate work was actually in mycorrhizal fungi and mycelium. Sexy yeah. stuff. <laughs> I won't say where, but uh, sure. I did my graduate work in the South when I was still living in the South. And that was what I studied is... Yeah, we just um, switched over to using um, mycology uh, as a living ground cover around everything. So we now have, Lord, we have so many uh, mushrooms growing everywhere. That's so cool. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I don't know. The older I get, the more I want to learn and Mm the more I want to learn about my past and the less afraid I think I am of digging back in that soil and finding an old root and going, what did you have to teach me? Um, That's where I am as an old crone witch. That's where I am today. But um, yeah, the learning from young witches like you. Always, always, always learning. Yeah, absolutely. my best witchy sister up here, best friend, witchy sister up here is 60, 
for. And Whoa. I love her so much. <laughs> her name is Moon Dancer. She's actually been on the show um, once and we learn so much from each other. Like I'm sort of her millennial witch that's taking her into the technology <laughs> and, and getting her to do podcasting and share all of her knowledge. And she grew up in LA and was initiated into a Dianic coven. And so she mm -hmm. has practiced witchcraft for over like almost 40 years now, or maybe even over 40 years. And I'm just fascinated by everything I can learn from her. Why did you start your podcast? All right. So look, I hate poetry. I write it sometimes and, and that's the irony. I'm eccentric <laughs> that yeah. way. Um, the reason I started it was that whole Walt Whitman moment. Um, mm. I wanted to sound my primordial yawp mm. across the rooftop. I wanted to know I wasn't alone. You know, no matter how old we get or what our position is, at the end of the day, witchcraft can be very solitary and, uh, even if you have a coven, if mm. you're doing real work, it can be lonely work, you know? And I, I, I wanted to connect. Believe it or not, it wasn't to teach, it was to connect. I've been a priestess for 12 years. I've been a professor for 22. Mm. I, I get tired there. And I think anyone, if they're being honest, would say, yeah, it gets lonely there. And I wanted to drop all the pretense and just talk about the daily ins and outs of magic and how it feels. And um, so that's why I started. Now then, why I've taken a break and I probably will come back, uh, why I've taken a break. Mm -hmm. I wanted to focus harder on myself. Mm. I wanted to be a better me. I wanted to be a better witch. And um, my grandmama told me a long time ago that when I raised my head up a little bit high, people see me and uh, they'll either love you or hate you. And a lot of... Um, old past stuff came out of the woodwork and found me. Hmm. Uh, and now I have to make a decision on whether or not that's okay. <laughs> uh, so I can talk to people again, but it was, it was magical. It was kissing it. And uh, honestly, I, I told my best friend today, if I do this interview, I'll probably decide to go back to my podcast. I hope you do. I really do because I think one of my favorite episodes is actually one of the earlier ones about the hound dog in a tree analogy. Oh oh I, I think I've listened to that one at least six or seven times. And it's just, there's such a profound resonance and truth to what you're saying. And I've used that analogy in my own life, in my own experiences, and for those out there listening that might not be familiar, 
the hound dog in a tree is a dream you had, right? Or was your mom? It was a dream my mom had and then I started having and she explained what it meant. And it's basically people who they they take your energy, they they take from you and they take from you because they're 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 stuck in that codependent loop where they they need to take from you but they don't it's not a mutual beneficial thing and it was such a powerful imagery of this concept that I took it with me and I introduced it to all my my friends especially my witchy friends down south and they love your podcast because you're one of the few voices that has a southern accent that's speaking on witchcraft and you know you and i've talked about this um my accent is kind of both a badge of honor and um a trigger of shame Mm. Uh, my mother really wanted it gone from my voice my mother and i are no longer in contact but um my grandma loved it and to be a professor, I had to work against it. So my podcast also allowed me to be me and yeah. say y'all yeah. and relax and let my real voice shine. Mm. And it was one of the only times I was allowed to do that in my life mm. and not be made fun of. So thank I you. think it's the Southern accent is part of the poetry and I think mine well mine comes out if I'm talking to somebody from the south like it just happens that way that's just how it is but in the course of moving out of the south I learned to tail it back because people make assumptions about you when you have a southern accent and this is sad to say that whenever you want to affect the voice of somebody to sound ignorant and stupid, what sort of accent do you affect? Southern girl. Mm-hmm. So I trained it out of me, but there's something musical and lyrical in the Southern drawl that other accents, like no offense, New Jersey accents, they just don't seem to have. And I, I find it very soothing and appreciate it. Uh, my um, stepfather was from New Jersey. He married my Southern mama. <laughs> said, use guys. And use guys. And, and, and I used to laugh at him. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. And I think that the older I get, the more I want to get back to my truest self. I don't think I have mm. a lot of time to, I don't know if we're allowed to say this on your podcast, but fuck around. Oh, no, please. Okay. As much as you want. I just put the explicit tag and we're fine. Uh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, I, I always use it when it's important. And, and in this case, yeah, there's no time to fuck around. Mm. Um, you start to have, you know, little issues and you see age coming. And so I have an accent. And so I'm this fallible, beautiful, fucked up thing. And this is the essence of me. Hmm. Once you get to this place, it's so comforting. And then you can kind of like investigate how you want to grow, you know? Yeah. But until you can go, okay, here's my roots and 
this is who I am. You really can't figure out what your fruit's going to be. So that's kind of where I am. I'm digging into my late fifties. I'm all about it. Are you on your second Saturn return? Uh, hi girl. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I used to think I'd be scared, you know, not anymore. I have a granddaughter now. Mm. This echo. I'm like, okay, I'm free to go ahead and do this thing, you know? And yeah, I think I'm going to start my podcast back. Good. yeah, yeah, this was healing for me. So thank you for having me on here. It was very healing for me. I mean, no, let me talk about plants, babe. Okay. <laughs> Once you did that, I'm I'm on a roll. <laughs> I'm on a roll. Um, anything else about the South that you remember that you want to ask me about? Hmm. Gosh, are you not going to ask me about racism? Oh, well, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So I live in a state that has a really lurid history when it comes to racism that a lot of people didn't, don't know. And living, you know, especially close to Portland, everyone's like, it's such a liberal city. And yet I, there's an insidious form of racism here in the Pacific Northwest, especially when you get out into Eastern Oregon and Idaho, where there are no people of color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are no, no one to humanize their racist perceptions. Wow. So I found that, you know, people always talk shit about Alabama and Mississippi and <laughs> rightfully so there's a lot of racism. Yeah. Like my mother is really involved in, in voting rights, of course, in the South and how difficult of an uphill battle that is. But there's something about when you, the, the racism in the deep South where you, yeah, you have these sort of racist ideas, but it's a tradition and you still live next to black people. You still work with, with mm-hmm. people of color. You still have a sense that these are other humans. Whereas like you go up into places like Eastern Washington and Eastern um, like into Idaho and there there's just only white people and they're very militant. And I feel like the racism is almost more entrenched in a way that is violent that's that's what I experience when people have brought up sort of like the difference between living in the south and race relations in the south what what are your thoughts i have listened to the other side and if they think that you are like them meaning the my white mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd love to say just conservative, but I'm living in Alabama. I mean, hmm. but it's stunning, the racism that still is part of their DNA. Yeah. It's deeply rooted here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. We um, all work together. We work side by side. It's more of those uh, little moments behind the, the veil, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of years ago, someone saying to me, Oh yeah, I know this great guy. Uh, and he had it's such a cool name. I can't say online, but it's such a cool name. And and he's the best electrician I know, but he's black. 
and they always whisper it. Mm. And I was like, uh, okay, what's his phone number? <laughs> <You know? laughs> this guy ended up being one of my best friends, but you know, and my children's godfather was a gay black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also a Catholic. He told me all parts of him fought every Friday night, but so, you know, they do still have it in them, but they didn't, they know enough to whisper, yeah. you know, a little undercover kind of moment. That is something that I think is healing, but it's going to have to heal with a little bit of force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not appropriate for this podcast, but I will tell you this. Mm. There are more people of color down here in witchcraft than people know. Mm. Um, I think they're kind of in an extra closet. Yeah. And that hurts my heart so much. Um, But I know them and um, I'm proud to call them sisters and brothers. And that is probably theirs to talk about. So I won't speak to it, but we have a a very deep legacy down here in the South. Mm. like I said at the beginning of Caribbean, African, um, and at this point, you know, significantly Mexican influence here in the South. Mm-hmm. And um, it brings with it magic. And yeah. it brings with it an echo of their ancestors. And I find that really, really cool. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, racism is not dead. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. we still have so much work to do and mm-hmm. i think in recent days we're when we were recording this on right after finding out the verdict on the the chauvin uh george floyd murder trial and thank the goddess it was all guilty because but there was just this moment of like is it going to be like every other time? Because I was watching yeah. the news and this is the first time in Minnesota history that a white cop has ever been convicted for killing a black man. First time in the history of the entire state. And it was, it was a, such an anxiety inducing thing because I'm a white, but my husband's family is mixed. My um, mom is very involved in the Democratic Party in the South. And so um, her adopted daughter is, is Black. And so I've been involved and entrenched in this uh, civil rights and racial justice movement for pretty much my whole life, which I, I'm thankful for because it, it was something that helped me really start doing the anti-racism work at an early age and also recognizing where I've had privilege and where I've been able to have opportunities that people of color were denied. So with all that said, uh, just this collective anxiety of, is, is this gonna just be another instance where the cops can continue to kill people of color with impunity? And for once, accountability was finally finally passed down (laughs) like so i'm hoping this opens the doorway for more 
justice, for more accountability to really start dismantling this racist system that has, and, and like, especially in the South, because Louisiana has the highest prison population of anywhere else just about in the world. And that includes China. And something like one out of every three black men is incarcerated in the system in the deep South. So there's just so many still like very systemic racist issues, not just in the South, but throughout this entire country that I feel that we are starting to finally have to face as the country goes through its Pluto return. Mm -hmm. Because you know, and I think we need to face it on a, a, a macro level, but at the same time, like I was thinking about this today. So you know, what is the difference in polyculture in a garden? You know, I relate everything back to science. It's a problem with mine. <laughs> polyculture and which podcast? So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that works out then for me. <laughs> but um, polyculture versus monoculture, and we talked about that for a moment. But the upside of polyculture is that plants are working together. They have a symbiotic relationship and they're feeding each other or protecting each other, warding off pests. You know, they're, they're, they're working together. And that is the healthiest garden you can have as a polyculture garden. Mm -hmm. Monoculture garden, you know, you could plant a whole straight line of great, you know, I don't know, tomatoes. And if your field dies, you have nothing. Right. Am I making any sense? Yeah. It just continues to astound me that people are still working on this binary kind of field of thought. Because mm -hmm. to me, science is magic. Magic is science. It just continually works back into itself. And I'm sorry, diversity and caring for each other is the healthiest for the whole planet. Right. You know, yeah. monoculture is never going to make it. Rome will fall, you know. Yeah. But that's just me. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're yeah. we're witnessing. Yeah. I think somebody said that um, it sucks to be living through the fuck arounds a century and or having been born in the fuck around century and mm -hmm. then having to grow up in the find out century. Oh, that's good. <laughs> That's good. And I'm lucky enough right now. I'm 55. My husband's about to turn 40. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. And then um, my son is uh, about to turn 30. Then I have a 25 year old son. Um, I have a 35 year old daughter as well. And I have a brand new uh, grandchild. So I can kind of see all the generations right mm -hmm. now. Around me. Mm -hmm. And then of course, my best friend is in her 70s. And, uh, you know, when are we going to learn? <laughs> yeah. When are we going to learn that it's, it, you know, this whole mono binary thinking, it's bad for the craft. It's bad for a garden. It's bad for a government. It's bad for the planet. Mm. You know, biodiversity is the way to go. It's simple because at the end of the day, and I know, you know, this It's a witch, man, <laughs> everything is everything mm. and we've got to get cool with that yeah anyway that was my whole spiel on polyculture and I'm all about it <laughs> so. 
Well, um, we're getting up to time here. Do you mm -hmm. have anything else you want to say or speak to in terms of, you know, where you're at with your magic and hopefully returning to the podcasting? Um, yeah, it's okay to take a break. It's, this is going to be shocking on a witch podcast, but it's even okay to take a break from your craft. Yeah, that's okay too. It's okay to take breaks, especially if you're digging down deep and um, learning more about who the hell you are. You know, we're the last frontier, right? Digging in. I thought about it the other night. I was falling asleep. So I guess this will be the last story I tell. I've, I've lived a lot of cool little moments in my life, a lot of scary ones too, but I was falling asleep the other night and it occurred to me, I knew myself as a child and I knew myself, you know, as, as a young woman, I guess some folks would say maiden, right? Uh, I knew myself as a mother. I'm getting to know myself as a grandmother but what took the fear of aging away finally hmm. was this excitement of who am I going to be old? You know, this is like how I love a plant. You know, I know it all of its life. And sometimes it's, it's that last minute before sunset that they do the coolest shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I suddenly just had this, really deep peace and maybe it's a little southern on me but this deep peace of that last uh flourish and i got excited and i wanted to see the sunset and uh i think a lot of people miss that you know i think they miss that that is an opportunity you pull outside and you look back down and you see yourself as a plant wow that last bloom, you know, I could be something fantastic, right, y'all? Mm. So, and we don't know what comes after that, right? <laughs> so, um, to stay excited mm. and to, uh, you know what? Love a plant. <laughs> <laughs> it helped me love myself. So, I guess that's it. I can definitely dig <laughs> that <laughs> I, I have been very, well, I'm always into plants, but lately I have been trying to utilize all the various different flowers that are in bloom right now. So last night I made dandelion syrup later uh, on. I'm going to make some lilac syrup, syrup out of lilacs. Yes. And I'm really excited because the two apple trees in my yard are flowering right now. And last year, one of them didn't flower. Aww. And the, these were neglected trees. They weren't being oh. taken care of. And so they had fruited so much, they split themselves in half. So I had to get these special belts to 
put them back together and I fertilized them and I pruned them and I researched everything I could about them and I talked to them and I named them. Oh, <laughs> that's so magical. And now they're both flowering and they're both going to give fruit <laughs> this year. And I'm really excited because I'll probably do an episode on apples closer to the fall equinox and about there's a goddess a norse goddess named um andrun who's mm-hmm. a goddess of apples mm-hmm. and i just i feel that plants have so much to teach us they're just they don't have a verbal language they have a chemical and visual language and in order to tap into that you have to be willing to listen you have to be willing to observe them when they're sick you have to be able to like imagine yourself as that plant and ask yourself what do you need yeah and by the way they can answer back if you ask them that same question about yourself if you say why need um you know at the end of the day it's Gaia baby it's Mm -hmm. Gaia and um you know I'll end with this when I'm lost and everyone gets lost priestesses and priests and teachers and lawyers and doctors everyone gets lost when I'm lost I sit I watch a sunset I listen to the trees but one important silly little goofy thing I do there's a song by Van Morrison and it's called sweet thing Uh uh-huh and I just play it and I sway with the wind Listen to it one time. Most magical song I've ever heard. Sweet thing. Sweet thing. Because we're all sweet things and we forget to tell ourselves. Yeah. I think that's a really lovely idea. Yeah. Sweet thing. Thank you for letting me be on the podcast. Thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you letting me interview you for your first time and I'm, I look forward to hearing more Southern wisdom and witchcraft from the deep South whenever you, you feel called <laughs> to return. Well, this did it for me. And thank you for giving me the opportunity because everything is one. And hey, your podcast is awesome, man. Keep it up. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much to Seba for coming on to the show. If you would like to follow Seba's work and hear more of her soothing Southern drawl and stories of the Deep South, be sure to check out the Southern Fried Witch podcast. For the next episode, I will be doing a deep dive on the topic of big trees, our spiritual connection with them, and where to find big trees near you. This will also be the inaugural episode with my new co-host and my always best friend, Inku. The episode will have the added Patreon-only content of a map of big trees all over the world that you can access for as little as a dollar a month. See our Patreon for more information. Check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook as the Science Witch Podcast, and on Twitter as podcast underscore witch. Also, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or feelings to share, you can reach us at questions at sciencewitchpodcast.com. Until next time, live long and prosper, and blessed be.